This is the Movie Hall of Fame Class of 2002 edition for Thursday, October 17th, 2019. Adam Hall, how are you? I'm okay. How you doing over there? I'm good. Um, If you are a loyal patron of this podcast, which there are some. There's a few, yeah, and they're they're furious right now. They are, they are absolutely furious. We uh, flipped the script on you guys because um, <laughs> I quickly realized I've had a really busy week of podcasting. We've been doing a lot of shows, um, and they've been good shows. I would say. What do you? I think? would say they were great shows. Yeah, great shows. Yeah, I think we're kind of on a nice run. Um, and in that excitement, um, and in that binge watching, I. <laughs> Just didn't get a chance to rewatch or watch for the first time some of the movies from 1962. Yeah, you, you well, you know, you, you, it's hard to squeeze in the longest movies ever made. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> well, I have to watch the longest day, um, and actually, I think that movie should be called the second longest day <laughs> because the longest day would be the day I have to actually sit down and watch the longest day. Yep. That's how you know what I mean. Like that's what I'm stuck with. So. Uh, we had to change, uh, call an audible last second. I'm mm-hmm. like Tom Brady, auto, audible, audibling out of the defense. Oh, I God. see the blitz coming. I can feel it. <laughs> the, the pocket pressure. Uh, you know, so I don't want to hear your football analogies right now. I'm not, I'm not giving you an excuse. Excuse me. Fuck Tom Brady. Excuse me. I'm done with you. Uh, are you aware that the New York Jets got their first win of the season last week? Or I, yesterday? I'm, ac- I'm acutely aware. Yeah. And okay. I th- and I thought of you. I'm back, baby. I was out at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings with uh, Abby, her sister, and Bree. Uh, so it was me and the girls. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which well, is what like, else is new? Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it, it, <laughs> we just call that group the girls for short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that includes me. Yeah, I'm one. Of, I'm one with the girls. That's the joke, Adam. Yes. Okay. Thanks for picking up on that. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Picking up on it. I have down. to. I have to pick a part as joke so so that they're not funny. <laughs> That explains so much. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like every everything that ever comes out of my mouth on every podcast we've done in the past. What is it? Three years? <laughs> Has it been that long? I think it's actually been technically four years, if you're counting my Star Wars podcast, which is 2015. Oh my god, December of 2015. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that would have been the first day I met you. Did I meet you any other time? No, I think that was it. Yeah, I think that was the first because because the, the other, only other time we had any interaction was at Nick's Fourth of July party, which was 2016, like the following. Yeah, yeah, that coming Fourth of July, and, and that was the year that Nick went away for a couple months. Yep, and yeah, then you came on. Oh my God, it's been over three years. God damn it! <laughs> I've been doing this with over three years with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez, what is happening with my life? And if we're talking about movie hopping in general, it's just fading away. Yeah, no, movie hopping and slash movie hall of fame would have been 2017 because we started with Alien Covenant, which right? Is 2017, which yeah. was the May of 20. Yeah, and I think we tried that as a video show at first, right? Yeah, we did, we did a few video shows. Yeah, we gave up on that pipe dream real quick. Yeah, it's okay. It's the worst. It was the lights. That's it, <laughs> dude. I'm just letting y'all know right now because people like. When they say, oh, I want to do a podcast, I'm going to do it on YouTube, Mm -hmm. I just tread lightly because it is brutal. I can't tell you how many times I've tried doing video and it's just all, it's a whole day thing. Oh, shooting a video? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, As as someone who who does it every once in a while, it's like... uh... Yeah, it's it can be pretty grueling and, yeah. and depressing, right? And then the the process of putting it together is is just rough. It's nice when it finally comes together, but again, it, it's 
it's not like this where we can just kind of sit back and relax and do our thing. Right. And I'm also like sure there are people that are comfortable just putting the camera on like a simple webcam on top of their computer yeah. and just going. But I think you and I are both incapable of <laughs> of that. That's just a sad look. <laughs> I mean, we're sad enough as it is sitting here. No, honestly, but... <laughs> I think if we did it, it would be so much easier. And I don't think anyone would mind. But just for our own sanity, we don't have that level of don't give a shit. <laughs> We're we're getting there. I mean, we need what we really need is to step up our game and find new quarters and hire a crew, <laughs> and 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 pay them regularly. Right, and and then pay them SAG after a scale. <laughs> pay them in potatoes or whatever the hell people do nowadays. I mean, we only hire union here. Yeah, we don't right. we don't cross the picket line, mm-hmm. so it's kind of expensive. Mm-hmm. Craft services. Craft services. <laughs> Dude, it's tough, man. It's tough making a movie. We would be the single worst business to grace this earth, I think. <laughs> so much <laughs> waste. We would you know, we could pay them in our pretzels. We have some good food here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's get some ASMR going. Are are you announcing the uh, search for the TMT intern? Is that what's happening right, right now? now? <laughs> Putting it out there. If you work for us, we will give you a Bachman's bite size mini baked pretzels. Yeah. Give me some of those, by the way. <laughs> I haven't eaten that much today. Um, you know, I, you think we could like trick some college student into like interning oh for us? God, dude, college students are the dumbest motherfuckers. We could do whatever we want. You think? Yeah. We'll give you a school credit. Mm-hmm. School credit will we'll tell you you're, you're changing the world somehow. I'll, we could definitely find a four year and um, university that'll like accreditate us. <sighs> I guarantee you. What would what degree would we be in? Like journalism? <laughs> well, that's an excellent question. Yeah, that's it's like what the hell are we? <laughs> I guess we're kind of communication, but like really, like come on. Let's well, be we're realistic. Well, now. okay, we're kind of communication, but we're definitely not journalism. <laughs> That's all I know for a fact. Well, we well we have to advertise ourselves. Like we have interviewed subject A, B, C, and D, and they were all great. And you know, we learned a lot about them and the industry. I suppose. Well, we're closer to maybe um, like abstract art. Mm. Maybe we could get like a fine arts internship going. Yeah, we'll have David Lynch do a master class. Yeah, the radio version <laughs> master class. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and we'll just ha- and it'll seem like David Lynch, but really it's Jabril doing the voice the whole time great point we can trick them all you think yo we have not capitalized on on jabril to trick people enough (laughs) okay (laughs) hear me out okay i know this is probably a bad plan because now we've put it out there on the internet people understand our scam it's just out in the open we could edit this out but we're not going to we're not going to but i honestly think if we said a sit down with david lynch and we played it totally straight like Jabril didn't do like his Oh hello there Adam I like getting a finger up my ass Like if he just played it straight And he and he did his best to stay in character uh-huh. We could like pass it For a 10 minute interview Yeah sure Oh uh, you mean like like convincingly fake it out Yeah Okay yeah. Is that illegal? Yes but uh, You know it, It's it, illegal to impersonate someone on a podcast? If we t- I mean if we don't <laughs> If we were monetizing, what if we video, spelled David Lynch wrong? What if we spelled ooh. like Lynch with an I? Hmm. Lynch, Dave. It's it's the other David Lynch, right? Who sounds exactly like the David, and Lynch. also happened to make an independent film called uh, uh, Wild at Heart. Uh, 
<laughs> I think we could do it. Hmm. I'm in. It's it's worth a shot, I guess. I'm I, in. Would we? I don't. I guess we. Even wouldn't. if we get sued by David Lynch again, that's the thing. That's what I'm worried about more than anything. Because what if it goes viral and they they figure out like, oh, David Lynch did this weird interview with these people on a podcast. Turns out David Lynch is a member of the Communist Party. Yeah. <laughs> We could just make David Lynch out to be the worst fucking human being ever. How many people have you killed? What if we had David Lynch speaking about the Hong Kong protesters? <laughs> and we just started an international incident. Like, <laughs> You know what we could really do to just piss off film fans is that he expunges all of his secrets about his films. He right. finally reveals everything. He, that he just people, says what the hell was going on. And it just makes him look like a fucking moron. Yeah, it turns out the Black Lodge was Cooper's dream the entire time. <laughs> I had that dream sitting on the toilet, and I looked down into the bowl when I was done, and there was the Black Lodge. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. All right, I'm going to nip this in the bud right now. Let's start. Let's get this thing going. So, we're not doing 1962. We'll be doing that next week. And, uh... Oh, I guess here's so so my autonomy now carries over to next week, right? Yes. Okay, it does. All right, good. Yeah. So I, you don't want me choosing. I don't want to fucking choose this year. Anymore. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so here's the year 2002. The two of us nominated these two films in secrecy. Um, and, last night. <coughs> yeah, last night. Watch out, man. Yeah. Careful. Mm-hmm. You don't. We don't want to die before we get David I, Lynch on the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> your nominees: Panic Room. Spider-Man, The Born Identity, Gangs of New York, Catch Me If You Can, and Minority Report. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's the first thing I realized, because yeah. I'm looking at these nominees, and I wouldn't call it a bad list. No. I, I Maybe this says something about the year, because I looked through the, the entire list of moves, and I'm like, Jesus, what the hell does win? Yeah. Seriously. Well, there's no obvious winner, which is cool. Yeah, I know. But I don't even think there's an obvious top two or top three. Yeah, I would even say we left out a few films that would be in contention for a top two or top three. Right. Uh, and I'm looking at these two like, I don't know. I think I've only ruled out one, if I'm being honest with you. I have only absolutely positively ruled out one. The other five I could be convinced of. And I hope that one of us figures out a way to, to pare this down because I have no idea where this is going to go today. I don't know if I've ruled out a single one, honestly. Yeah. Because <laughs> they hit... Very different marks on each of our criteria. Right. So I... I, I would also say, too, this is the most mainstream list we've done in a very Oh, by time. a mile. And I sort of had some apprehensions about that last night. These are like the best of the best when it comes to mainstream, thank God. But right. Yeah, you don't, <laughs> you don't get much different than this. I mean, I was even trying to go weird, as I usually do. Sure. But... We normally like to throw in one or two weird ones. Yeah, exactly. As you should. It's nice to have a conversation about films that were big, but weren't necessarily, you know, big to a certain crowd. Sure. And, uh, yeah, these were just big. <laughs> just big with a capital B. Yeah. So. And look, I don't think that's a surprise. I think you mentioned that last night, too, because this was an era, 2002, 2003, where blockbusters started becoming the dominant art form again. Yes. And Hollywood goes in these waves. Mm-hmm. Like you have the 70s, which is all auteur shit, uh, big budgets, but really transgressive mm-hmm. revolutionary art. And then you have the 80s, which was a reaction and it was very safe and teen comedies were the hot thing. Then the 90s come along and the independent scene blows up and you have Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez and Steven Soderbergh making interesting art again. And then 
after those movies sort of faded into oblivion and they weren't as dependable at the box office, Hollywood once again says, let's start pouring movies into franchises and action capers. Um, And that's what you have here, basically. Uh, You have a lot of safe, mainstream, good cable movies, I would say, um, but nothing that changed the game. That's the that's the problem. When we're, when we're discussing impact, I don't think there's a single one of these movies that have an impact. Aside from, I guess, Spider-Man? Yeah, well... But, like... Not an impact in the way that we like to define impact, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. They're more, they, they all have a legacy to a certain extent. Sure. But especially the Bourne movie. Yeah. See what I did there? Uh, no, I didn't. Because there's an there's an entry oh, oh, the called Born Legacy. Born Legacy. We don't acknowledge that one. <laughs> I thought actually, we, yes, we do. I, I love gonna, it. I was gonna say I thought we don't acknowledge Jason Bourne. Renner, baby, <laughs> Treadstone. Um, yeah, we'll talk about it. I know. We'll it, talk about yeah. it. Weird, weird, weird year. Highest grossing movie of 2002 is Spider Man. No, no. Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. Oh, that's one that I consider nominating, but it's actually my least favorite of that trilogy. You know this, I think, right? We've talked about this. That's my actually my favorite of the trilogy. I know, and I think that's weird. Yeah? Weird, yeah. See, I just think it's just the simplest premise. It's just like a fight scene for two hours. I, well, no, I feel that way about the third one. The third one, is a, to me, is a fight. Because in, in my opinion, Two Towers is a lot of walking and talking. Like when they're going through Rohan. I mean, that's a, a large chunk of the movie. I don't know, man. And then the fucking Ents just explaining to Merry and Pippin why they love the forest so much. <laughs> Takes a long time. The talking to trees say. are a bit much, yeah. Yeah. And I kind of dig it. I just feel. Also, it's a good Gollum movie. That's what. Well, that's the, the, the real highlight of it. Yeah, and, you get the introduction yeah. to Gollum, although you have a little bit of him in part three. Part two is. That's the meat and potatoes of that character. I think it gets even better, though, in part three. Okay. I just think the best balance you struck out of like exploring the lore but also making it fun was the, that first movie. Okay. I hate to be that person, but I, the first is by far my favorite. I should mention, by the way, I don't like those movies, and I have no problem with it not getting nominated. Yeah. Uh, you also have Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets at number two, Spider-Man at number three, uh, a little film called Star Wars Attack of the Clones at number four. Oh, yeah, a little movie like that. And Men in Black 2 at... Number five. I had someone a couple months ago come to me and say that they thought Last Jedi was the second worst, right, right, uh, right in front of Attack of the Clones. Okay, so if you like shot that person on scene, <laughs> you're probably not gonna get you're not gonna get away with it. I'm just gonna tell you that. Right no, now. I know, I know. I hate to break to you, mm-hmm. but if I was on the jury, I would stand up for you. <laughs> Thank you, Nico. Okay. That's all. I don't think they would let you on the jury now because no one likes you on a jury when it comes to judges and whatnot. That's a great point. I'm only going to be on the receiving end of that from here on out. Um, winner of Best Picture was strange. Here are your nominees. I actually don't know what this was. Oh, you don't? You really don't? I, I Well, I, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Well, I'll give you the five. I'm sure you know it if I read you the five. Okay. Uh, you got The Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, The Hours... Gangs of New York, Chicago, and oh, The Pianist. Chicago. Chicago is your winner of okay. Best Picture. And Roman Polanski wins Best Director. Best Director for The Pianist. Which is another one I consider nominating, but I wasn't entirely sure. I've never seen it. What? Yeah. Oh, man. The Pianist is great. I've never seen it. Oh, my God. It's better than at least two of the films on this list. Really? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Damn. 
Um, oh damn, we 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 fucked up. All right, I apologize then. <laughs> I, I, look, I'll take I'll take the bullet for that. I haven't seen it. Maybe if I had seen it, I would have nominated. Oh it, wow, but, the pianist is great. Okay, but often uh, a very controversial choice for best director because like what? Roman Polanski was Polanski? was like a fugitive from the law and definitely raped a little girl, and everybody knew that he raped a little girl, and yeah. they just gave him the Oscar anyway. And they're like, yeah, Hollywood. The I, whether he should have won, like I I don't know. How did that fly is all I want to know. Because it, it was 2002 and times were different. Did we not know that raping little girls was bad in 2002? Uh, I don't know. This, I, see, I'm not convinced of this. When everyone's like, oh, the Me Too movement has brought so much to light. And now we know Roman Polanski's a bad guy. Like, I don't know. I was alive in 2002. I don't remember the ethics of Hollywood being so blurred. Well, who knows? I don't know. Maybe that... They were just that objective about it, and they were like, this is clearly the the best movie. I mean, at that time, I mean, Woody Allen didn't know that raping little girls is bad. Okay, we don't... I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. Um, I knew you were going to say that. Not, gonna, not touching that with a 10-foot fucking pole. I know. Um, best actor uh, is Adrian Brody from The Pianist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then best actress, you got Nicole Kidman for The Hours. I haven't seen The Hours either. Me neither. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, also, you got Chris Cooper for uh, adaptation, as- which is another one that I was considering nominating. I had seen like part of it. I, I don't think I've seen the film in full, though. That's Jones and Kaufman, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. I've I've seen a couple scenes with uh, um, um, uh, Chris Cooper, and he's like remarkable in the film. Really? But it's like, uh, and but Nick Cage is. I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for that movie because he's playing a dual performance. And it's awesome. Okay. It's really, really awesome. But again, I haven't seen it in full, so I didn't feel right nominating it. Although it could have been one of those movies that I said, you know, let's just watch it and see how it is. Yeah. Uh, And then Catherine Zeta-Jones, Best Supporting Actress for Chicago. Seems weird. Just a strange choice. I mean, I don't know. The Oscars do weird things. I know. We've talked about this. Yeah. Uh, The Razzies were kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Among the nominees for Worst Picture... You have Pinocchio, the Italian adaptation, Crossroads, the Britney Spears movie. What? Crossroads? So bad. The Adventures of Pluto Nash. (laughs) What? Star Wars, Attack of the Clones, and your winner swept away. I don't know what that is. Roberto Benigni. Poor Roberto Benigni. Wins worst actor for his adaptation of Pinocchio. Uh, Oh, my God. What a great year for worst actress. Here are your nominees. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> Winona Ryder for Mr. Deeds. Jennifer Lopez in Enough. Angelina Jolie in Life or Something wow. Like It. And here are your two winners. <laughs> there was a tie. Oh, my God. I love the Razzies. Buckle in. Madonna for Swept Away and Britney Spears for Crossroads. Oh, man. Oh, they, 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 oh, God. Yep. They couldn't help themselves. It's perfect. They couldn't help it's themselves. way too perfect. So good. I would have done the same thing. So good. Madonna and Britney Spears, a dual Razzie. <laughs> did they accept their awards? I don't believe they <sighs> Hayden Christensen, a well-earned worst supporting actor for Attack of the Clones. Oh, that's like iconically bad. So good. Yeah. That's a great choice. You know who never gets it wrong? The Razzies. <laughs> Well, I don't think anyone cares at, at the end of the day. Yeah, you do. How do you judge whether or not they got it wrong? That's a good question, though. The Razzies? Yeah. Well, I think... No, I think the legacy of bad movies is, is about 
as dependable as the legacy of good movies. I think like th- it's fairly indicative. I guess, but th- there's a point like like psychologically where you go, okay, it's bad, it's bad, and I don't care anymore. It's all the same, right? You know what I mean? Unless it's like a special bad, and there are very few movies that are a special bad. Well, the room. I don't believe has a Razzie, but it definitely should have gotten the Razzie, right? If, if they, ever they do like an honorary Razzie, that should be the movie. Like every movie, sh- that should be the template for every Razzie award ever, right? In my opinion, right? Yeah, the the Wiseau Award. The Wiseau. Don't we do that on the with Taddies? That's what. Well, we're we're the the. I don't know. I think we're the cornerstone of of bad awards. On wise you're right. Thing. I think you're right. I really do. I think the with Taddies. Got to start broadcasting those. I think think the reason I I grew to really love this show, guys. I'm gonna sit here as as like someone being interviewed. The reason I grew to love why is this a thing is strictly because of our award show because it is it is brilliant. Be honest. If you did a poll of every person in America and you're like, you're gonna watch the Razzies for an hour, <laughs> or you're gonna watch the Independent Spirit Awards for an hour. <laughs> Honestly, what do you think they choose? Uh, probably the Razzies. No, I meant the Wattaddies, bro. Oh, the Wattaddies. The Wattaddies. You think they're going to do their Wattaddies? I think so. I think definitely they'd rather watch the Wattaddies. Well, they hear, well we, we got to, first of all, we got to record it, and then we got to have our, our uh, nominees on. We could get a few. We could get a few. That's a great point. You know what? We got to start getting acceptance speeches. We'll yes. talk about that off air. <laughs> I love that idea. All right, let's jump right in. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I had honorable mentions. Um, this, is, this cold open is going extra long today. Nah, We're feeling a little loose. It's okay. Uh, honorable mentions The Ring <sighs> Okay Yeah I've never seen it. Great Great Very good Okay Very good uh, Road to Perdition No oh, I love that movie Oddly I also haven't seen it What Oh my god You you're, you have not seen anything of this year <laughs> It's a real blind spot 2002 Road to Perdition is a un- Unseen Sam Mendes film And uh, a pretty good uh, um, uh, Tom Hanks performance And also a pretty good uh, Paul Newman performance with some great cinematography by the late Conrad Hall, one of, one of the great cinematographers who ever lived, and is basically the 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 leader of uh, Roger Deakins. So we need if you don't have Conrad Hall, you don't have Roger Deakins. So okay, wrote to perdition. Yeah, uh, Red Dragon, which you think is better than Hannibal, and you're just Wait, wrong. No, um. <laughs> dude, Hannibal. We, we Hannibal should be a wise this a thing. That movie sucks. Oh, stop it. That movie's. T- Terrible. That's your boy. <laughs> I don't care. That's Ridley Scott. <laughs> I don't care, dude. That his that blood man, is on your hands. That sir. man made GI Jane. <laughs> God. <laughs> he also made what? What was that movie with? Uh, with uh, was it Angelina Jolie and Cameron Diaz? Or no, was Angelina Jolie in that? The accountant. No, not oh, the, the accountant. No, no, the counselor. Counselor. Which apparently is just awful. See, we need to do that for why is this a thing one a- of these days. Apparently it's 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 in that like like serenity vein. But it's it's written by Cormac McCarthy. Right. Which is crazy. Not based on a Cormac McCarthy novel, though. No. It's a script. yeah. From what I understand, yes. Yeah, maybe next month. We should probably the counselor. Do that. Yeah. Uh one hour photo is not a great movie, but it has a great Robin Williams performance in mm-hmm. it. Um so I put that on. The hours we talked about. Um, Bowling for Columbine, I guess, is an important movie. Mm. Um, it gave us Michael Moore. Um, it came to define political documentaries for the last the next twenty years or so, for better or worse. Yeah, for better or worse, I guess. Um, I I think it's um actually a, a pretty good documentary, even though I don't agree with everything in it. Um, and same goes for Jackass the movie. <laughs> <laughs> in a way, I could have done that. <laughs> Which did the twenty fifth hour come out too? Yes, 25th Hour came out that year. Um, the few 
uh, modern good Spike Lee movies. Yes, a, a really good Spike Lee movie, actually. It's probably in the top five. Mm-hmm. Um, I came close to putting 8 Mile on there just for shiggles. I almost was, too. I like 8 Mile I a like lot. I like 8 Mile a lot, and it gave us one of the great movie songs of all time and Lose Yourself. Yeah. Uh, it's not great, though. I, I acknowledge that it's simply entertaining because it's a good rap movie with Eminem in it. And Eminem's pretty good in it. He is. He is actually pretty good in it. Yeah. Uh, signs. Oh, Signs. I like Signs. Yeah, before M. Night Shyamalan jumped the shark. Mm, there are signs... No pun intended, but there are signs of him doing that in Signs. Like you, 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 right. you watch that movie and you're like, "That was a weird choice. That's weird." Yes, that right, that that line makes absolutely no sense. There were guy. glimpses, yeah, yeah. That's the first indicator, in my opinion. Good point. I like how you put that. Mm-hmm. Uh, About a boy came out that year. Uh, Lilo and Stitch came out that year, which I like. Sure, Ice Age came out that year, which I really like. Uh, I like Lilo and Stitch better. Really? Oh, that's different. Okay. I like Ice Age, though. Fine. Uh, Pianist, we said. Blade 2. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, 28 Days Later, we mentioned. You didn't put it on. And the other two that I was considering at the last second, and I went with Minority Report instead, mm-hmm. uh, About Schmidt, which is a really good Alexander Payne movie. I have not seen it. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Okay. Jack's awesome in it. Was he? Did he win for that, or was he nominated? I think he was nominated. Well, yeah, I, we just said that he didn't, but yeah, he was. Nominated. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Adrian that's, Brody. That's right. That's right. Yeah. that's right. Yeah. Good list, by the way, for best actor: Adrian Brody, Nicolas Cage, Michael Caine, Daniel Day Lewis, Jack Nicholson. Really good. Pretty good. Nicolas list. Cage. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so that was uh, in the mix for me, and also Punch Drunk Love just ma- missed the cut. I know, which is a movie I love quite a bit. Yeah, but... I love it too. Yeah. Didn't feel. Right though, I, I, no. Well, I can honestly say I don't love it as much as I think any one of the films on this list. Okay, so I just felt a little insignificant. Yeah, well, it, it is, it is, right? It, but it, I, it, but that's a I good do, thing, right? I do feel bad. It's one of those like really, really good films that's not championed enough. It feels like Paul Thomas Anderson's Jackie Brown. Yeah, in that way. So. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's start with Panic Room. Let's. Um, speaking of underappreciated movies. Mm. We were talking before we started today. Um, Panic Room is like the only place we overlap on David Fincher. Like completely. <laughs> where I feel like we hit all the same marks entirely. Where it's like, yes, we finally agree on everything about this movie. We are 100% on the same page with Panic Room. Yeah, yeah. And there's a reason for this. Because it's not a great movie. And the movie knows it's not a great movie. And you and I both know it's not a great movie. But it's a really fun, like, people in a house movie. It, like sort of Hitchcock light, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I think well, that's a great way to put it. I think it's it's very much Hitchcock. I've said this, God, like I I don't even want to count how many shows, but I bring this movie up a lot when I talk about contemporary Hitchcock. Yeah, and this, in my opinion, is the best. Like if you were to take the sensibilities of Hitchcock and update them for today, this is pretty much lightning in a bottle right here. Right. I don't think it's. It's maybe not a great. It's not a great story or anything like that. It's no, not, certainly it's, not. Not a great script. Not not the no. Not the best script in the. It is, however, a great thriller. Yeah, I think it's it's suspenseful as all hell. Yeah, and I think the performances are all pretty much great across the board, with just the tightest direction you're ever gonna find. Yeah, I mean, my God, like, it's it's like if you want a good like 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 just like raw version of what makes David Fincher good in a in a short concise little thing, this is one of the greater movies to show you that. Yeah, I think, well, let me put it this way. It shows you why David Fincher is good, but not necessarily why David Fincher is great. No. Um, 
And that's sort of a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. I think if you go into this movie not expecting much, and you almost forget that David Fincher directed it, um, you'll appreciate it a lot more. And I think the first time I saw it, my expectations were very low. Mm -hmm. This is the type of movie Fincher does every once in a while. And I'll be honest, it kind of annoys me, because the guy is so good at what he does. And to just waste that talent on something so insignificant Mm -hmm. is sometimes frustrating, uh, you know, you feel that way when you watch the game. Yes. You feel that way when you watch Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, you even feel that way with Gone Girl. I gotta be honest. Like Gone Girl is just sort of a silly housewives thriller, mm-hmm. and could have been. You know, he could have been using that energy on something so much greater. Um, but I, the guy just sort of likes style. I mean, I think he's more into style than he is substance, and this is a perfect example of that. It's another example of a director where, to me, the style becomes that substance. You don't have what, a lot of what makes this movie great without its sense of atmosphere and the thrill and the way it moves throughout the scene and just this wonderful sense of geography. This movie does something that a lot of movies of this nature don't do very well is that it does a great job of, of establishing a sense of place yeah. and everywhere the, the camera's going to be or everywhere you're going to be as a as a uh, member of the audience and planting it and setting it up and paying it off wonderfully. I, I find the, the movie to be... Like, like it's, if, if you're talking about like constructing a movie on a scene by scene basis, you don't get much better than this. I think in a lot of ways, I do think it does highlight a, a lot about what makes Fincher great. Not, not so much. I, the, the script and the direction are two very different things in this case. I think the script, like you said, is kind of like whatever. It's certainly not bad, but it, 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 it's like it is what it is. And it's funny because I, I saw my research. They paid a shit ton for the script. It's a David Kep script. Right. Who yeah. did Jurassic Park and Mission Impossible yeah. and. Oh, by the way, this year's Spider-Man. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, huge director, but he wrote it in like six days, and it's a very like insignificant-feeling script. I know. Because it it is. I mean, the story itself, it's like, oh, anybody kind of could have written this. Yeah. But... It's an what what I will say is that when you make a script like this that it that is so I guess stripped down to the bare bones of storytelling I mean it just leaves a director just a wonderful canvas to work with yeah and to me I think that's why this movie shines so much is because Fincher's like okay I understand that we're not reinventing the wheel here I'm not telling the most groundbreaking story ever but I can at least tell this contained thriller break in story and do it better than maybe anybody has before at least I'm at least one of the better versions of that story it's like Fincher's After Hours. Yes. You know? Yes. After Hours is another thing. Like, kind of unremarkable script, but just an exercise in style. An excellent direction. And I think it's his most underrated film. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you on that. I think it's a really fun cable movie. Um, it, I, the reason that I think we overlap is because uh, it, it's the one that you acknowledge is not trying to be a masterpiece, and you would never argue that it's a masterpiece. No. And I'm totally fine with you not thinking it's a masterpiece. Um, and I, I don't think every David <laughs> Fincher film is a masterpiece. Well, you there, think a lot of them are. I think there are five, well, four at least, that are definitive masterpieces. That is a big number. I don't care. That is a big fucking number. But even the ones that... For a guy that's not Stanley Kubrick. I'm sorry, bro. That's How many masterpieces does Stanley Kubrick have? Like five? Yeah, probably. So to say Fincher has one less than Stanley Kubrick is a little crazy to me. David Lynch probably has four. That's again a little too high, but okay. No, no, I would say that. Yeah, David Lynch probably has four. All right. I mean, I think they're obvious though in the re- in the realm of movies, and I think most people would agree with me. It's not like I'm saying Girl with a Dragon Tattoo is a masterpiece. I say I like that movie. In fact, I love that movie. But I, you, you know, love Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? I actually rewatched it the other day, and I'm like, yeah, I still love this movie. You love it? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a ton of fun. You think that movie's fun? Yeah. <laughs> a movie. Which rape scene did you uh, prefer? 
Uh, the first one. Okay, the first one. You had a lot more fun during that scene. Yeah, precisely. How can you call that movie fun? It's so bleak. So what? There's nothing funny about it whatsoever. <laughs> I didn't say funny. <laughs> That's different. No, the movie is so goddamn exciting. I love it. I love that story. I love what they do with everything. I think it's it's actually a complicated plot that I can get invested in, unlike some other films. It's great. <laughs> Uh, we should mention, by the way, Panic Room stars Jodie Foster, Chris, oh, yeah. Kristen Stewart, Forrest Whitaker, and Jared Leto, who, <laughs> god damn it, do I like in this movie. Me too. I'm sorry. Sue me. No, I just think he's perfectly cast. Yeah. And <laughs> it's it's nice that Fincher actually realizes that. Like, he, he at least has a sense of humor about the people he casts, and it's nice well, to he cast Jared Leto as a douchebag. Yeah. Which is... No, it's... The exact same thing he did with Ben Affleck in Gone Girl. He even said to to Ben Affleck, like one of the reasons I I want to cast you is because you you're <laughs> you understand exactly what it feels like to be persecuted by the the media and whatnot. But at the same time, you're you de- you deserve it. You, yeah, <laughs> precisely. <laughs> the truth is, Ben, you're insufferable, and I need this character to yes. be just as insufferable as me, David Fincher. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a fun movie. Um, the, the plot essentially is that a divorced woman and her diabetic daughter take refuge in their newly purchased house's safe room when three men break in searching for a missing fortune. Um, so I, I read this. This is kind of interesting. Though Panic Room is not technically a remake, it somewhat mirrors the plot and characters of Wait Until Dark from 1967, uh, which I guess is an Audrey Hepburn movie. And I, I I was like looking into this and it looked like really cool. Uh, yeah, Alan Arkin and Audrey Hepburn. Uh, a re- here's the plot of this one: A recently blinded woman is terrorized by a trio of thugs while they search for a heroin stuffed doll they believe is in her apartment. Ah, uh, so it's like the reverse of Don't Breathe. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, and I'm like, I must see this movie because apparently it's really good. Okay, okay. We need to do that. That came out in 1967. That's a great premise. Yeah. So I guess the antagonists in those movies are uh, three criminals. One who has compassion like Burnham. Mm -hmm. Another who's a hardened criminal like Junior. And one who is a ruthless uh, psychopath like Raul. Uh, The three men charade their way into the blind woman's brownstone apartment in search of a doll filled with heroin. But they realize they have drastically underestimated her wits once they initiate a game of cat and mouse with her. Yep. It's like kind of a horror movie, I guess. Yeah. 67. I got to see it. I love that stuff, though. But those are the kind of movies that I love, like, dearly, when they're done well, of course. Yeah. You know, and I don't have any issue with David Fincher going to make a movie like this, especially when you have the Spielbergs of the of the world who do stuff like this all the time. That's true. I don't think there's anything wrong with a director deciding, like, in, in, in the words of David Fincher, I don't have any problems going to make a movie, because I, I will go and make my films, and uh, I will make my <laughs> movies. <laughs> this one is a movie, whereas, like, Fight Club is probably a film. And I'm like, yep. Okay. I don't know. I, I can hear his voice in yours. That's what's just turning me off right I now. I think it's a very eloquent way of putting it, though. Okay. I like Panic Room a lot. There's no chance of putting it in the Movie Hall of Fame, it's, but I, I like it quite a bit. I don't think it's the weakest one on here, though, and you're going to be very annoyed with what I think is the weakest. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready to be surprised. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I know exactly where you're going, but we'll talk about it. Yeah. All right. That's Panic Room. Let's talk Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, 2002, the original Spider-Man. Man, we've come so far, haven't we? <laughs> Unfortunately, in a very short period of time. <laughs> it's so. It's actually kind of sad. Who 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 would have thought that we would be here after after this movie? Seventeen years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we? Seven Spider-Man movies deep? Something like that. 
three of these, two Andrew Garfield ones. And then two more uh, Tom Holland films, plus Civil War, plus both Avengers films. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, look, uh, we've gone through the looking glass, and there's no going back. But it is fun to imagine a simpler time when Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin fought Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Yeah, Willem Dafoe in a Power Rangers uniform <laughs> fighting Spider-Man. You know what's fun watching this movie? Because, of course, I revisit it maybe once every three months or so when it's on cable, is just remembering that James Franco was in it. And what a simpler time it was when James Franco was playing Spider-Man's buddy in a movie, mm-hmm. you and know? Before we really knew him as James Franco, right. ultimately. And we grew to hate him, really. Yeah, unfortunately. This is before we started hating James Franco. Even within this series, you grow to hate James Franco. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the best part of Spider-Man, the original? Uh, the best part of this movie? Yeah. When he's climbing up the wall. Okay. That's my favorite part. Okay. When he's just like discovering his power for the first time. And that's such a real like kid like feeling that they just captured right then and there. I think every single every single person who, who saw this has always wanted to do something like that in their in their life. And to see Toby Maguire's reaction when he actually realizes he can do that, I don't think it gets much better than that. Yeah, it's a pretty good scene. I love that scene so much. I'll tell you what, upside down kiss though. With Iconic. Mary Jane. Iconic, yeah. Got the nips coming through, poking mm, through the oh, wet that's t-shirt. What you saw. Oh, for a seven-year-old Nico, that was just the best. Something special. Well, maybe nine. Something special. <laughs> seven-year-old Nico. Yeah, I don't know. Seven-year-old Nico knew what nipples were yet, but oh, I did. Oh, that wet T-shirt contest <laughs> in age. Mary Jane, Kirsten Dunst, baby. This movie is actually so good that one of my film professors at at Central, he was talking about superhero films. And he's just like, you know, I really hate superhero films, and I hate what they've done to the industry. And it's just a shame, because that first Spider-Man movie is so damn good. Right. And I'm like, whoa. Well, okay, so it's not as good as Spider-Man 2. Let's just get nope. that out on Front Street. Spider-Man nope. 2 is better. Um, and I know Nick Evangelista does not care for this movie all that much. Um, Unfortunately. But I, I but- think it's important to look at this movie as a Sam Raimi movie. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at it as a Sam Raimi movie, it answers a lot of questions for you. Oh, exactly. So if you think it's too over the top, if you think it's too cartoonish, if you think that it's, for lack of a better term, too comic book... Just like look at Sam Raimi's filmography and look at the Evil Dead movies and you'll understand, oh, yeah, he's perfect for this material. Mm-hmm. And this is the type of movie he was always going to make. Yep. Um, and look, he owns the cartoonishness. Yes. He, he doesn't make fun of it. He doesn't mock it. It's not satire. Mm-hmm. It's not tongue in cheek like the new Spider-Man movies. I know. It's just a crazy, colorful romp. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure, had I not seen it at age nine... Maybe I wouldn't love it as much as I do now. It's not true. But I did see it at nine, and I love it. My dad loves this movie. So does my dad. At, like, people love this movie, because I think they get it. And I think a lot of it starts to make sense to... Like, if you're if you're a detractor of the film, and you're, you're maybe not of a certain age, in quotes, whatever that means, yeah. uh, it all starts to gel together as soon as you see J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Right. And you're like, <laughs> I know what this movie is. I know exactly what this movie is. I was so happy when they did that in the new one. That is, this, in my opinion, maybe the best casting for a comic book character. So good. I actually like him more as J. Jonah Jameson in a way than I like Heath Ledger as the Joker. Not to say that I think it's a better performance. It's a perfect, yeah. But it's just like, boom. You could not have gotten better than that. That's the guy. Yeah. That's exactly... <laughs> no, and it's kind of funny that that's the character... That seemed to age so well. He's, and it's one of his, I, th- I think it's the, the role that really put him on the map, too. 
Yeah, I mean, strangely enough, yeah, he was in Juno. I mean, well, well, what, who he was initially was uh, the guy in Oz, the TV show, the HBO show. Um, he's what? terrific in Oz. Um, but yeah, this is the one that sort of made J.K. Simmons a household name. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like the Tobey Maguire casting choice. Although I really love him in the movie, people are split on that. People are lukewarm on Kirsten Dunst. Even yeah, I'm, I'm not. I don't love her as much. I mean, most of the time she's just like screaming in peril and not doing much. Yeah. So uh, Willem Dafoe is a similar way, like. It's kind of funny we haven't gotten another Green Goblin yet. Well, we have. I mean, beyond James Franco in three and beyond the animated ones. Well, there's uh, uh, Dane DeHaan. Oh, right. Oh, fucking shit. Yes. Oh, my God. How did I forget? Well, it's 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 pretty easy to forget. But <laughs> I just forgot Dane DeHaan altogether. Yeah. It just all came rushing back. No, it's a, it, your your reaction of forgetting is entirely appropriate. How did they blow it with Dane DeHaan? That guy can act, dude. Because that movie sucks. Oh, man. That movie is a mess, and he got lost in that mess. Dude, I just had a Jason Bourne-style flashback <laughs> right now, bro. Dane DeHaan was the Green Goblin. Holy shit. Yep. I was like, what are you talking about? We've never done it before. Holy fuck. I remember nothing about that movie. Aren't you glad that I have the best memory of anybody you know? I, yeah, I would have never remember. <laughs> I don't think any... I, I think... You know what happened is the men in black must have come around with their little flashlights <laughs> and just erased... What was that movie called? Rise of Electro? <laughs> Off of the planet. It's just the amazing Spider-Man 2. Dude, it's fucking Blue Jamie Fox. Blue Jamie Fox. It's my birthday, and I want to light my candles. Paul Giamatti for 10 minutes? <laughs> Not even 10 minutes. Dude. Less than that? Like that, five minutes? He's barely in that. Yeah, five minutes. Yeah, cut that in half. What a weird movie. How? How? Wow. Yo, fuck that. No, fuck that movie. <laughs> that movie can go straight to hell. I mean, it's colorful. Who gives a shit if the it's colorful? The electricity is cool. I remember that one fight sequence. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. Um. So I I don't know. Has the Willem Dafoe casting aged well? I again. I I I love Willem Dafoe in most things, and I, there's something about his like. A buddy of mine said this said this to me. I think better than anybody could have ever said it. And he's like, let me let me illustrate to you why uh this movie is brilliant because there is a scene when uh Willem Dafoe as a man in a green suit screams we'll meet again Spider-Man yeah and you completely buy it oh yeah and that would never happen today right but the fact that at that point in the movie you're like yeah I get it oh wow I'm I'm scared by him and he's saying something as objectively goofy as that right yeah he's I mean he's scary in the movie He, he he may be one of the more scary uh comic book villains which we just don't have anymore he would have he would have been a good joker in in this universe yeah yeah i think that would have worked out i i just can't think like even the better villains Mm -hmm. like thanos or uh um kurt russell from guardians of the galaxy or all these new marvel villains that we think are pretty good i wouldn't classify any of them as menacing or scary no you know not really i mean thanos like maybe but, I mean, threatening. I wouldn't say, like, I'm terrified when he's on screen. No, yeah, I agree with that. But when I was a kid and I saw Willem Dafoe getting out of that gas chamber... Oh, yeah, scary. I, oh, scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Or when he tries, like, stabbing Spider-Man at the end with his surfboard. His surfboard? 
What? James Franco has the surfboard. What is this then? This is a like gla- it's got like wings and stuff. It's like a platform to him f- to fly on. It's the fucking. Difference? It's not a surfboard. Okay. You have fucking James Franco's Green Goblin thing <laughs> stuck in your head. What? What's? You can separate these movies. I think this is a good movie. Yes, it's a great movie. I ride for this. movie. I love sure. this movie. Yeah, I love everything about its tone. When we were talking about Batman 1989, this is. It's a very similar tone for me. Right. It's like the Spider-Man equivalent. Yeah. Takes itself seriously, but not too seriously. No. Like, is it tongue-in-cheek enough? Right. And that's, I think, perfectly exemplified when they're the, the, the new scene uh, going around and t- the, you're dealing with people who who have interacted with Spider-Man and getting their opinions on the guy. Right. It's like, I st- he stinks and I don't like him. And then there's the, uh, yeah, I think he's a man. He could be a woman. <laughs> all, like, that all, that all that stuff. I love it. It's really good stuff, man. This movie is charming as hell. It's so charming. And yes, there's a big aspect of nostalgia here, but I also can make a serious argument about the movie's impact because, yeah. you know, for better or for worse, we are stuck in this Marvel, Marvel-ified, what's the verb? Marvelification. That's what we've just undergone <laughs> yes. as a culture. Mm-hmm. And now every mainstream movie that comes out has the Marvel label on it because of Spider-Man. Not because of X-Men, which came out two years earlier, but because of this one. This was no. the one that really kick-started things. No, X-Men just said it can be done. Right. This is the one that popularized it. For sure. Yes. Uh, for better or worse, we'll let you decide. But for now, every time Spider-Man is on FX or TNT, mm-hmm. it's on. Yep. It's on in my house, and I've seen it so many times. So there it is. All right. Here's another movie I can say very similar things about. Yep, me too. It's called The Bourne Identity. Yep. Is this your favorite Bourne movie? Yeah, it's my favorite Bourne movie. Okay. Clearly. Clearly. But I have thoughts. Okay, give me your thoughts. This is... um, To me, this is the worst film on the list. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's the one... I think it's the one where you watch... If you were to watch all these movies... Uh, on a marathon this is the one that would leave the least impact and a lot of that has to do with the filmmaking which is frustrating because i think in 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 regards to the other born films it's maybe the most distinct but for some reason it's it's the one that as far as like memorable scenes gels with me the least aside from the field scene yeah the only reason it's my favorite is because uh, I, again, and a lot of that it has to do with the type of story. That I, honestly, I think it is just the story. This particular entry in the Born chronology is just the most interesting to me. And Matt yeah. Damon discovering who he is is the most well, it's engaging. The, yeah, it's the yeah. easiest story to sink your teeth into. Yeah, and I and I I love the first three Born movies quite a bit, but I, there there's something about this story that just gels with me better than those other ones. And I do. <laughs> it's so weird to talk about because. I prefer the filmmaking in this. That's not to say I love the filmmaking in this movie, though, mm. for similar reasons. Well, this is another movie that had a tremendous amount of impact um, because of the way it was shot. So Doug Lyman is the director. Tony Gilroy wrote the screenplay. Those men have sort of traded off directing duties mm-hmm. for... Uh, well, actually, uh, What's-His-Face did uh, two and three. Uh, Paul Greengrass. Paul Greengrass, yeah, did two and three. Um, Lyman had an aesthetic and it's a choice uh and it's certainly unique i think the sort of handheld quick cut can't follow what the hell's going on in your action set pieces has been used to uh diminishing returns over the next 15 years yes right Mm -hmm. um action set pieces have become much more muddled 
as a direct result of the Bourne identity, which I think utilizes it effectively because this is a movie about confusion. It's about a guy that doesn't know what the hell is going on. Um, uh, he is uh, on the run, and it's frenetic, and it's stressful, and it's high anxiety. And it's also a movie about surveillance. Yep. So, like, it's not going to look like the most beautiful shot compositions mm-hmm. because, like, a lot of this movie takes place in control rooms with surveillance cameras all over the place. So, uh, for this movie, I will say the directorial style works. What I will not say is that the next 15 years of spy thrillers should have looked exactly like Born Identity. I know. And that's what we got. I know. They thought, well, because, again, it's... <sighs> It's a response film. It's like people looked at this and they thought, okay, yeah, we, we, we th- this type of story can be done, right? So we're just going to reference that the entire time because people loved it. And it's ironic because I think the only other movies to get to to get what it was a what it was about and f- kind of improve upon it were the other Bourne films. Yeah, in a way. Well, Supremacy is-, is an awesomely directed movie. Yes, I think I that for me that's the best action movie of the three, and that's why I like it the the mm-hmm. most. You know. So yeah, it's because it, I I. I and I agree. It's like I, I mean, I have pros and cons. I think for every born film, but yeah, no. The, the the most disappointing thing about this one for me is is ironically the the those fight scenes and a lot of that filmmaking and whatnot because it's it certainly hasn't aged that well in that way. Yeah, it's again, it's almost exclusively the story and and getting all those beats correct and using Matt Damon to carry us along through this because I actually think he's quite good in this movie. Oh, he's awesome in these movies. Yes. I was just talking about Matt Damon with my father and my brother the other day, and we were just like, yeah, he's such a movie star, but he's not distracting. No. And that's what's great about him, is that he could play the everyman. Mm-hmm. And he has played the everyman. Good yep. Will Hunting, uh, even talented Mr. Ripley to a yeah. certain extent, uh, although it's a different sort of character. And the key with him in this is he's attractive, but he's not too attractive. Uh-huh. And he's like a, a physical presence, but he's not Dwayne Johnson. No. So he can compellingly hold the gun, but also be the audience avatar at the same time. I mean, he needs to be a chameleon. That's the whole point of the character. Exactly right. Which is why I think it's like actually brilliant casting. It's yeah. like I can now to the point where now I can't imagine anyone doing Jason Bourne better. Oh. It's, it's like, this is it. Well, we saw one person try Jason Bourne and yep. it failed. Yep. Um, yep. And no, I think if you put... For example, Leo in this movie. Or even you put someone like Brad Pitt in this movie. Yeah, I agree. They're distracting. They have so much charisma that they take away from the movie. Yeah, they're almost like too magnetic and it's a problem. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good example. I, Because I, it's, it's weird. I don't... You know, maybe you're right. Because I was thinking back to The Martian and I'm like, no, I do see him as his character in that. Right. You so, put yeah. Leo in that movie, it's like... Yeah. You put... Let's say George Clooney's in that movie. Yeah, okay. Right? He's a he's a movie star, and Matt Damon is also a movie star, mm-hmm. but he never takes away from the movie. You're never thinking, "Oh, that's just Matt Damon." Yeah. You know, in a in a astronaut outfit. Mm-hmm. He's the character. All right. I can't name a bad Matt Damon performance, can you? Interstellar. Okay, can you name another <laughs> bad Matt Damon performance? <laughs> Not really. Okay. So, yeah, I think he's perfect for this. I can't think of any other Jason Bourne. Yeah. Um, you're right. That field sequence is the best in the movie. In my opinion, it's 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 my favorite scene in all the Bourne movies. Yeah. I adore it. It's yeah. incredible. Right. Um, but that's another one where it's not hand-to-hand combat. No. You know? It's just him out- outsmarting another character. And the tension between those two characters is what makes it really exciting. Right. But that... 
the camera pulls away and you can actually figure out what the hell's going on. Geography. This one, yeah. I think we've talked about this in the past. Anytime the director's like, yeah, I'm going to put you right in the fight with these two people and you're going to like smell Jason Statham's sweat dripping from his forehead and you're going to be able to feel the punch that Vin Diesel lands on you. I find that very distracting. Yeah, I know. Pull the camera away. Let me see what the hell's going on. I I just, because when you put... Here's the thing. Putting you directly in the fight as if you're fighting the person is not a pleasant experience. No, it's not. It's not. It's And it's, it's proven time and time again that it's far more exciting and thrilling to actually get... Get a view of the chaos from a distance in this sense. Well, it's also not I, a cinematic experience, right? No, yeah, I, I I agree with that because again, I part of my some people love them, but honestly, I am not that fond of the fight sequences in the other Bourne movies, like hand to hand fight sequences. Yeah, I just I it just some people think it makes a lot of sense to them. To me, it's just it's it's a little nauseating. Yeah, uh, and honestly, like you have to if you're gonna do hand to hand fight sequences, it's. I've never seen it done better than, say, Jackie Chan movies or the Raid films, and those are the movies that tend to step back a bit to ab- to actually observe this craziness. You know, or the Michael place. Mann movies. How about yeah. that? How yeah. about Heat? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. How about Collateral? Mm-hmm. Like, that is... The Dark Knight. Dark, of course, which is basically a Michael Mann movie. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think we talked about this when we talked about Batman, too. Like, Dark Knight Rises yeah. turns that on its head, and that's one of the reasons that movie doesn't work so well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have to be able to choreograph it, and you have to be able to see what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I know. Um, that being said, I, I don't want to shit on Born Identity because it's really one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> like this movie. It's Spider Man and Born Identity. It's so funny. Those are the movies I watched the most growing up, and yeah. I have a very specific relationship to this character. Just because my family grew up watching these. My mom loves Jason Bourne. Mm-hmm. My father loves Jason Bourne. My dad does too, yeah. You know, when the new one came out, we were so disappointed. We all watched it together. We're like, yeah, Bourne back, baby. <laughs> and and then- it was so disappointing. Um, but it just came to define action movies for me growing up. Yeah, in a way. Well, it defines action movies like like throughout the, the 2000s. And I think you, you said this earlier when you said like a lot of movies started ripping from this. But those kind of became the the... The, the the prominent mainstream action films anyway at right. least at least in my experience those sort of spy thrillers I, I we just saw so many of them right well and also specifically post 9/11 spy thrillers and in a way this is almost a post 9/11 film I oh would this say. is absolutely a film about 9/11 yeah you yeah. talk about like surveillance and whatnot yeah and paranoia and is the government really on our side or are they looking to fuck us and it's it's an awesome movie it's a really good movie and I think culturally has a massive impact uh cinematically has an impact not always for the best yep um i i don't agree with you i don't think it's the worst movie on this list but uh, you know no that's okay we can agree to disagree on that yeah um i i really like it a lot and it was one of those i was actually thinking about putting in just because i feel like it says something about 2002 and you know uh it's, well, there, there is another film on this list that i think says more okay but we're going to be in contention about that because of the director. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it. Um, Born Identity, I really love. And uh, we did a Born cast. Yeah, we did. Last year. Yeah. On Why Is This a Thing? So if you want to hear more... Actually, no, not even last year. A couple months ago. Yeah. If we, you want to hear more of our thoughts about uh, the Born legacy and the rest of the series... Half of that podcast is just you guys getting mad at me for not watching Legacy. <laughs> so... I mean, that's entertaining, too. It's always fun to get mad at Adam Hall. Yeah, always. Check that out on the website. Uh, why is this a thing? The Born Legacy Edition. 
<laughs> I'm always up for a Bourne cast, Adam Hall. You know me. <laughs> yeah, when are they going to do the next Bourne movie? Mm. Uh, well, you know what they're doing next? Treadstone, the TV oh, show. Oh, I saw that. Treadstone, baby! Are you in on that? All in. Of course you are. You're so fucking predictable. I gotta be honest with you, though. So, I don't know what the fuck Treadstone even is. What do you mean? Oh, I still don't, like, get it. Well, this is another issue just with these movies in general. It's just, I think it's just an agency in my, from what I understand, it's an agency that, uh, I feel like it's government surveillance, but it, but it's also uh, like, like they breed super soldiers, right? They breed spies. That's the point. They're like spy breeders. Sure. That's my understanding of it. But they like send people out there like Manchurian candidate style. And they're like, you know, you're going to one day we may need to pull you out and you're going to start killing people for us. OK, <laughs> I guess it's confusing. Treadstone. Yeah. The, the born story, like overarching story is confusing as all hell. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because rec, uh, muse, um, uh, uh, film executives like money. But yes, beyond that, I don't know why they felt the need to make this into a cinematic universe. Like, I feel like these movies are very specifically one man's story. Uh, well, it's because it's America's James Bond, dude. Right, his, yeah. His initials are even JB, for Christ's sake. Good point. I, I just don't know if I was, like, itching. No, it would be like if James Bond said we're going to make an MI5, what, MI5, MI6? MI6, yeah. It's like we're going to make an MI6 movie, and M is going to be in it, and Q is going to be in it, and it's not going to have James Bond. I could be ridiculous. Yeah, I get that. But Jason Bourne, for some reason, they want to tell you more about the greater Bourne universe. Mm -hmm. What's happening at Treadstone HQ. And it's probably the most uninteresting aspect of the film. That's what I mean. Like, it's a very specific story. It's all about Damon. Damon carries that thing. Mm -hmm. Bourne Identity. Very good movie. Yeah, very good movie. Let's move on to Gangs of New York. Okay. Okay. Uh, In 1962, Amsterdam Valen... What a great name. 1962. That can't be right. 1862. Amsterdam Vallon. What a great character name. Returns to the Five Points area of New York City seeking revenge against Bill the Butcher. Iconic Bill the Butcher. His father's killer. Yeah. Directed by Marty Scorsese. (laughs) Uh, Nominated, by the way, for 10 Oscars. Really? I didn't know that. Did not win a single one. Holy crap. Best picture. Best actor for Daniel Day. Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound. Wow. It did not win a single one. It didn't win editing? Did not win production design. What? How great is the set design in this? They like built an entire downtown New York. See, that's wrong. It's crazy. That is wrong. What did win? Lord of the Rings? Probably. Okay. Just a bunch of green screen. Peter <laughs> Jackson in the woods. <laughs> Come on, dude. The <laughs> set direction in this is just great. Uh, Leo's in it. Cameron Diaz is in it. Daniel Day-Lewis is Bill the Butcher. Um, y'all, let's just talk Daniel Day for the next hour, <laughs> can we? He's so good in this movie. But that's i mean—that's almost its own podcast. <laughs> he is absolutely balls to the wall in this movie. Got to tenderize the meat. Got to tenderize it. <laughs> Want the loins <laughs> or the heart? Oh. <laughs> Rip his heart out! <laughs> oh yeah, that's a lie. This boy has no heart. No heart. <laughs> I don't give a tumbling fuck about your moral conundrum, you meat-headed shit sack. Fear. <laughs> you know how I rule by fear. 
<laughs> Everything this man says in this movie is gold. <laughs> Bill the fucking butcher, dude. Uh, this is just one of the great characters of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. I just love this guy. And he elevates the movie another like two stars for me. Yeah. If Daniel Day-Lewis is not Bill the butcher, <laughs> I do not love this movie nearly as much. In a way, yeah. Oh, my God. And that that's okay, though, because a significant portion of the movie is Bill the Butcher. Yeah. So I don't I don't take contention with that. What a great villain. Yeah. You don't have, like, a lot of great villains in Scorsese movies, mostly because they're anti-heroes well, at the center of them, you know? I suppose. I mean... Uh, I mean, Goodfellas doesn't have a villain. Not really. Unless Billy Bats counts. Does Depart- Departed kind of has a villain. Yeah, he's sort of... Yeah, Damon, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Damon's the villain in yeah. that. So yeah, that's a good villain. Yeah, uh, there's just not many of them though. Um, and no iconic is, villains anyway. Yeah, uh, Daniel Day here just becomes this guy. And look, he's overacting, sure. He's hamming it up, of course. But who the fuck isn't in this movie? <laughs> yeah, in a the way. movie is crazy. Mm-hmm. This is my Dwayne Johnson movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, this movie is like acid. Yeah, <laughs> I love this movie. When people are like, I just love going to Dwayne Johnson movies mm-hmm. when he's you know. Uh, skyscraper or uh the one with the monkey the one with the rampage rampage the great rampage come on nico <laughs> when people are like i just want an escape man i just want to have fun at the cinema mm-hmm. i'm like give me fucking gangs of new york yeah leo diaz daniel day off the fucking wall then they're all good all good mm-hmm. i wouldn't say like leo's great nor would I say Diaz is great. No, but no one no one sticks out as bad, which is important. No. Uh, this is Scorsese just being like, yeah, we're going to have a fucking good time. And it's going to be a soap opera. It's a, it's a gangster movie, but it is going to be soap operatic as all fuck. Yeah. We're going full melodrama, just way over the top acting, way over the top direction. The camera's going to move. Thelma Shoemaker is going to edit the shit out of this thing. Gonna have a great score, and Steve fucking Zalian, my boy, yeah. who's returning for the Irishman, crushes it with this script. Mm-hmm. Crushes it. It's actually got a, a few different screenwriters attached to it. I think Kenneth Lonergan also. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, like a lot of great, great writers on this. Jay thing. Cox. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jay Cox. Who? Uh, what did he do? Did Silence. Yeah, that's right. Very good. Yeah, no, this movie is, uh, you see, it's funny you say that about, like, like doing a melodrama, but this is where uh, Scorsese kind of belongs, because he's done melodrama before with Age of Innocence, and to me, that just doesn't work at all. I've never seen Age of Innocence. It is, I do not like that movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can confidently say I do not. And that's not. got Daniel Day too, right? Yep. It is very difficult to enjoy that thing. Okay. So, yeah. Now, but, but that movie's not fun, though, right? It's not much. All right. Yeah, I, I I don't know what he was thinking, and a lot of people like it. I just don't get it. Mm. It's it, I don't know. If you want a movie to me that feels like home homework, that's that's it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I mean melodrama in this sense of like we're gonna just have a damn good time. Like yeah. we're gonna play to the back of the room. Mm-hmm. It's like we're doing a, a Broadway show, and yeah. you got to make sure everybody knows what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. There's no room for subtlety in yep. Gangs of New York. No. And no. I dig that as a premise, man. Is this movie good? Kinda is this movie great? Fuck yeah! You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this movie's great. Yeah, of I course can't. It is. I can't like say like it's a masterpiece because it's certainly not a masterpiece. But like, 
It's got a great cast. <laughs> Liam Neeson's in it. Brendan Gleeson's in it. Oh, I don't know. In a way, it could be a masterpiece. You think I would not classify this as a masterpiece? <laughs> this movie is is hits some again hits some weird sweet spot for me where it's like I don't know why I love every single thing about this movie. I shouldn't love every single thing about this movie, but I do. I just marvel at just the bigness of it all. It yeah, I it, just it, marvel at the scope. Well, not just the scope with uh, the setting and whatnot, but also with these performances. Yes, and his direction. I mean, you want you want Scorsese where it's like okay, I'm just because. Scorsese has said in the past, "Oh, I love camera camera movement," and I would watch this and be like, "Yeah, you don't say, dude. You don't say. Yeah, <laughs> I love editing, and it's like, yeah, you don't say. Pans, zooms everywhere. I mean, that opening fight sequence is off the wall. <laughs> like, you want chaos captured accurately and and well, and to actually make you feel said chaos. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that right. opening scene. It's awesome. And I, I'll tell you what, man, like. I love a good war sequence and I love like a good gunfight, but there's something about just a bunch of guys with axes and knives running straight at each other in the middle of a field. That's very off-putting and, yeah. and, and very disturbing. I know. Um, and it's certainly a lot of fun, but it's also very troubling what happens at the beginning of that movie. Oh, there is some... We- like, if you look closely, there are some horrible things that are going on. I mean, like the fish hooking. Yeah. Where they're just pulling off their lips and their faces. It's just like, oh, God. And there's a jankiness to the filmmaking that actually works. And it's it's weird to say, but it's like the imperfections in a lot of, a lot of those scenes actually makes it more nauseating. Yeah. It's like, and I can't imagine the movie without that. Hmm. So... Yeah. And I feel the same way about that final sequence too, which is just this sprawling chase mm-hmm. and and they're through this uh what is it the 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 five points? The five points, yeah. So the five points area of New York City. Um I I'm, I'm just impressed by how they built that set and how he shoots it. And again, we've talked about it now three times on the show, but the sense of geography the movie has. Yep, yep. Does a great job just <laughs> tracking these characters and it's chaotic and it's loud and it's boisterous, but you never lose sight of what's happening. And nope. that's what you get with a master filmmaker and master performers. Everyone is at the top of their game in this movie, but mm-hmm. also having a really good time. Yes, ultimately. And you can feel that. Yeah. Even like Brendan Gleeson, honestly. And he's not in a lot of bit, fun, but he's just, yeah, everyone is just enjoying their time. I mean, they get to work with Martin Scorsese. So it's like, can you blame them? Yep. Uh, and it's the best uh, Chris Scorsese film of the 21st century, in my opinion. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, honestly, the yes. only contender yes. for me is yes. Hugo. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, what you would think of Hugo. I absolutely adore the film. I could see you walking out of it and being like, "It's it's too cute for me." <laughs> but I love that moment. Wolf of love Wall Street movie. don't get there, right? Not quite. No, Departed doesn't get there. Again, not quite. It's 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 a contender, but I don't think it's quite as good as this. Aviator. Aviator, I love again. Not quite there. You don't revisit Aviator. You just you just don't. Look, man, we'll find out with the Irishman, won't we? I guess. <laughs> it's that fucking hype, though. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm I'm getting really sick of this. 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Such an uh, Just can we just not rate films? Can we just like leave it until after the movie comes out? For God's sakes, I hate it. Like it really it stifles all of my excitement. It's like okay, it's gone. Because you're, now you're claiming the movie to be the greatest thing ever. I have no expectations now in a bad way. You know they're trying to do the opposite. Like, by reviewing the film in a positive way, they're hoping to get you more excited, not less excited. And I get less excited. Yeah, so maybe it's a you problem, not I the don't, industry problem. Uh, 
You're the only one that sees like Irishman 100% Rotten Tomatoes. Fuck you guys. You're the only one that says it. Because no, I'm always right. <laughs> I'm always right. Because you want to know something? Nothing is ever 100%. Okay, but you understand though that positive buzz is supposed to make your anticipation level go up. I understand You that. understand how buzz works, I, right? I, yeah, but I'm not an idiot. <laughs> The difference is that is no. You actively get pissed off when you see positive reviews for movies. I get pissed off when I see positive reviews like that. What do you mean? I didn't have an issue with the positive reviews for Joker necessarily, but but I think a lot of that is also mixed in with the interesting things people were saying All about right. the film. That is not that is not what happened with you with Joker. I was jazzed for Joker. No, you saw negative reviews for Joker, and that's you were also like, fuck these sensitive critics. I'm gonna go in and love it now. That's what you did. Let's be very yeah. clear about something. I love that negative. So it, 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 it's, it's con- you just like being a contrarian. That's all it is. Oh, my God. Be honest. No. You like being a contrarian. So Irishman, what if Irishman is actually that good? Maybe it will be. Has Martin Scorsese made movies that are worthy of 100% ratings on Rotten Tomatoes before? Uh, yes. Of course. So why isn't he capable of doing it again? Uh, why? Because the- he hasn't done it in a long time. So What? So what? So what? You're the one who criticizes him for having a dry spell. I'm just saying, why do you automatically assume these critics are kissing his ass for no reason? And why are you now actively, like, ruining your own anticipation for the movie? I don't know if I am. I think you are. No. It feels like you're going in with with preconceived notions. I'm not going in to hate the film. This is more of a critical thing than anything. More, more directed towards the critics than anything else, in my opinion. You are not excited for The Irishman, right? No. I mean, I haven't been excited for The Irishman even before the review. Why are you not excited for The Irishman exactly? I don't really know. It just didn't look that good to me. It didn't look interesting to me at all. It I, didn't look interesting? I have not been excited for The Irishman since its announcement. All right. Do you believe, though, that... Uh, okay. You, have to, you also have to understand when I hear reviews for a movie that's 100% with our reactionary environment that we get into, it bothers me. It's annoying because movies are never that good. They're never like... Actually, there's never a point where I'm like, okay, 100%, yes, it deserves that rating. Unless it's Mad Max Fury Road. And that's it. <laughs> all right. Fine. Yeah. Not excited for The Irishman. I haven't been excited for it at all. See, you got to get there, man. Don't ruin this for yourself. No. You like movies. Allow yourself to like movies. No, I, I don't. Don't be so cynical about this. I can't. Sti- I know it's easy to be cynical when you do a movie podcast and you read <laughs> lots of blog posts about movies. I understand that. I can't stand hype. It's, 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 it's not so much the movie. It's just, oh my God, these people need to calm the fuck down. All right. Yeah. I'm one hundred percent. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Calm down, for Christ's sake. It's working for me, y'all. That's a to me. It's a problem. It's working. Ugh. It's working on me. Maybe I'm just one you, of the sheeple. I think you need to go at it with a certain edge and be like, because then, in a way, then you sort of. Uh, uh, I don't know. In my opinion, you're you're less aware of what might be wrong with the movie. You're just saying go in with low expectations, right? That's all you're saying. I'll I'm tell you what. T- I'm though. not telling you go in with low no, expectations. Y- well, yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. I, it's, it's not. I'm, I, the movie on on the whole is very different. Like my reaction towards the Irishman versus my reaction towards that 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes is very different. It's a completely different conversation. Okay, so you are just upset at the current 
cultural cycle we have. Yeah. More where than critics see the movie two months before audiences get to see the movie mm-hmm. and have the entire discussion on a think piece yeah. without anyone having any context. Yes. And it's not even just critics. It's also just audiences. The fact that uh, the, like, the couple thousand user reviews gave Batman v Superman a 9.6 on IMDb, <laughs> that is fucking retarded. <laughs> Don't use that word. I don't care. <laughs> that the fact that that is allowed to happen, the fact that there are people that stupid to allow that movie to have such a grade is offensive. <laughs> but they're only doing that as a fuck you to the critics, right? <laughs> okay, audience reviews don't mean anything. Let's be very clear about that too. That's anyone, th- anyone that's like, hey, the Rotten Tomatoes score, uh, uh, say that you know, fifty percent of critics like Joker, but ninety eight percent. Of audiences like Joker, I don't buy it. That's not evidence of anything because people just go on these sites and they weaponize the algorithm mm-hmm. where they're like, yo, fuck Captain Marvel because <laughs> there's a broad in a cape rather than a dude in a cape. So thumbs down. They did the same thing with Ghostbusters. And I'm not, I'm not like defending Ghostbusters or Captain Marvel. Those are both very underwhelming movies, but like people are weaponizing it to make a political point. That should not be evidence of anything. But it's all we have. No, we don't. It's what you we- know what we have? We have conversations like this. Yes. Here, we can talk about movies in a nuanced way without the arbitrary thumbs up, thumbs down. Well, way to just prove my point. Because I think The Irishman could actually be pretty good. But you're skeptical of The Irishman, and you're killing my vibe right now. I, That's no. all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm skeptical of the critical reaction that I saw on that website. Didn't you like silence? I don't understand yeah. this. Yeah, of course I love silence. I love silence. I just don't understand why you see a positive review and now you automatically think the worst about the movie by a director that you love. <laughs> it doesn't help that it's, uh, uh, I guess, the process of which that movie's getting released. And we sort of talked about this off air. Just there is something about it that it just, I don't know, inherently I'm just not that interested. Had, in a, in a way, you know, I mean, I, I would be perfectly fine never seeing the movie. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. All but right. I but I have to because of this podcast. Oh fuck off. You have to. <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to. Let's talk about Catch Me If You Can. Okay. <laughs> let's actually let's talk Spielberg. Because you know what we don't talk about enough on this podcast? Spiel- Steven Spielberg. Yeah, that's right. I don't know who he is. Uh we have two Steven Spielberg movies on the list now. Um, Catch Me If You Can was nominated for two Oscars, as a matter of fact, in mm-hmm. 2002. Best Supporting Actor for Christopher Walken and uh, Best Music. John okay. Williams did that score. Fair. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, Christopher Walken, Martin Sheen, Amy Adams, a young Amy Adams mm-hmm. with braces. Yeah. Cool Interesting. Movie. Uh, a seasoned FBI agent pursues Frank Abagnale Jr., who before his 19th birthday successfully forged millions of dollars worth of checks while posing as a Pan Am pilot, a doctor, and a legal prosecutor. One of my favorite cable movies of all time. (laughs) Uh, I watch it so much. I just think it's a hoot. Mm -hmm. And I don't care. This is my favorite Leo performance beyond Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is now my favorite Leo performance. But before that, it was this. He's great. Yep. He's amazing. I don't know. I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's probably my favorite Leo performance. Uh, I think right beneath that is Gilbert Grape and then this. Okay. For me personally. 
but yes, he's remarkable in this, and he, I actually see him as Frank Abagnale Jr. Yeah, which is remarkable because I think when I when I say actors that I cannot see as their characters, Leo is always my go to guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of funny too because this movie has him playing a lot of different parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I he wouldn't necessarily be a natural choice mm-hmm. because he's a movie star and it's a movie star movie, but. He's sort of supposed to blend into the background. He's a guy that steals identities, is on the run from the FBI, and is supposed to be, like we said about Matt Damon earlier, a guy that just blends in. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't in this. He's magnetic. He's uh, he's radiant. He's Leo. He's who we know Leo to be. Yep. Um, and of the two Leo performances on this list, Gangs of New York and Catch Me If You Can, I would prefer this seven oh. days a week. Oh, God. There's something about his performance... It's hard to hard to explain, but when he's trying to be a different person, but really he's just a kid. Yeah, and, he, and like like the, a, a good example of that is when he tricks uh, Tom Hanks's character. He's acting very professional, like an FBI agent, and then uh, Tom Hanks figures out that oh, this is actually the guy that I need. Except he, he sticks his head out the window and sees him running away, and he just look, at that point he, he he's kind of obviously broken the character, and he just seems like a like just an idiot amateur dude to me. Right. There's, I I don't know what it is, but that that dichotomy makes for a, a, a very interesting character for me. Huh. And there's something very entertaining about him trying to do it throughout the film because that's what it is. Well, he's not malicious. No. I mean, he's scamming people and he's stealing money and stealing identities. And look, that's a crime and it's a crime for a good reason. But um, there is like this childlike glee to it. And yeah. He's just traveling the world, having a good time, falling in love. Yep, pretty much. And everyone sort of wishes they could be like him. Mm-hmm. There's a real escapist quality to the character where it's like, I would love to just go all over the place and not be anyone in particular, to be able to shed my identity, change my name, start over with someone new. Mm-hmm. It's an, that's a real cool escapist idea. Um, but the movie is still very grounded. Yeah, and it has a lot of heart, and I think his motivations are awesome. Yeah. With essentially the reason he's very subtly done, in my opinion. I mean, they make a lot of good points of it, but it's something like when I first saw the movie I didn't necessarily pick up on is that the pretty much the reason why he's doing all this is just to get his parents back together. Right. You know? Yeah, that's that's a great point. I love that. Well, about it's, the movie. it's you know, it's very Spielberg, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And it, it it doesn't doesn't work, and especially in Spielberg's life, uh, it didn't happen right away. Right. You know, because Spielberg famously a lot of his movies uh, are based off of his parents divorcing. I think both movies on this list have elements of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Christopher Walken's great as his dad, which is not something you say that often about Christopher Walken anymore. Oh, he is great. He's so pathetic in this movie, though. Yeah. You know, but I but I love that 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 tragedy where he he believes so wholeheartedly in his father, and his father is just a, a complete loser. Right. Yeah. Um, and just a lot of people in this movie are really good martin sheen as the yeah. as amy adams father has a ton of heart and uh i don't necessarily love amy adams in this uh, let me ask you a question where do you stand on amy adams these days what are you talking about you don't like her right i have told you that time and time again fuck amy adams <laughs> i don't like her i don't even like her in american hustle and that's a problem that's a big problem yeah <laughs> man amy adams is a weird one yeah no, well, the I, weird thing about Amy Adams is that the Academy adores her. I don't get it. I don't. Okay, another one. Can, I cannot break Amy Adams. It's always Amy Adams trying to do a part and poorly. Trivia question for you: How many Oscars has Amy Adams been nominated for? Oh God, three, six. What for? What 
Vice, American Hustle, The Master, The Fighter, Doubt, Junebug. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Six Oscar nominations. Like, she's... I, 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 listen, I don't hate Amy Adams as much as you do, but that is way too much, Doug. It's like 50-50. I come out of a movie and I say she was not good in that. Yeah, I would say that's a good ratio, yeah. I'm serious. She's good in The Fighter. Yes, she's good. She's in, good in Arrival. She's good in Arrival, yeah. She's good in Big Eyes. Okay. Uh... <laughs> I like her in American Hustle. You don't have to. I do not like her in American Hustle. Um, she's not good as Lois Lane. Nope. She good in Her? Is she good in her? She's. I, mean, I don't recall her in her. Smaller role. So she, her character is very similar to Joaquin Phoenix's. Uh, she's good in The Master. I'll defend that performance. Okay. I, need, I still need to see The Master. You've never seen The Master? No. Although I have seen the dumpling scene. And I love it. Oh, man, Master Podcast. One of these days, dude. <laughs> okay. Gotta do it. Right. One of the most fascinating movies ever made. Okay. I don't know if I like it, but God damn, is it interesting. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, great podcast material. All right. Yeah. Uh, back to Catch Me If You Can. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm in total agreement with you. Um, it's got a ton of heart, and mm-hmm. the fact that Tom Hanks and Leo at the end of this sort of forged this connection, and I think... At the end of the movie, they say that the two of them remain friends. Yep. Um, you can feel that. It's just such an authentic Spielberg movie. And it's it weird to say that, but it feels like only Spielberg could have made this, right? Well, he, er- he earns the Spielberg-isms in this movie. Yeah. Like, and a lot of people really have issues with that. But it, it, again, like, if you can, if you can, if you can really, like, dive into it like he does in this movie and just enjoy your time doing it. Like, this does feel like he's having a blast making this movie. Right. I really do feel that. And this is, like, it, this is another kind of frenetic, fast-moving movie that never really stops. And that's part of the reason that it, it lends itself to being such a great cable film. Yeah. But it's, like, it, to me, it, it, it goes even further than that. Like, um, this is a sick day film for me. Oh, yeah, sure. This is a movie that I watch if I'm, like, if I'm, like, you know, I have a flu or something, or, you know, and I have to stay at home. It's, like, I throw on, like, RoboCop, The Fugitive, or this. Yeah. You know? There's something so comforting. RoboCop, I don't find as comforting as the other two. <laughs> but oh, I, I love I'm it. definitely with you on the other two. <laughs> Oddly. Yeah. I don't understand why Fugitive is, but it definitely is. Yeah. Oh, Fugitive's the best. I, no, it's I, all Tommy Lee Jones. God, though. I love Fugitive. Yeah. But it's, no, that movie's just dope. The movie's <laughs> so fucking dope. awesome. Give me one of those donuts with the sprinkles on top. <laughs> love it. Love it. I knew it was an elevated train. Junior, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm thinking. Pick me up one of those donuts. It's his, everything, his entire delivery. It's just, oh, it's perfect. I don't, don't. bark it. You hear that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. The line. Oh. <sighs> Let's transition to another Spielberg movie. Okay. Do you think that Minority Report is better or worse than Catch Me If You Can? It's a better film. Oh. Uh, As far as like execution in general, I think there are more misses in Minority Report. Yeah. Uh, But like what Minority Report gets right, it's like, oh, it's hard. It's hard for me to say it's it's better or worse. Oh, I don't know. Because I think the highs... In Minority Report are just like remarkable. Yeah, and it's it's the second best adaptation of Philip K. Dick's work, uh, and that's I mean his work is 
generally pretty hard to do, but this is awesome. Minority Report stars Tom Cruise, Max von Sydow, Samantha Morton, and Colin Farrell, nominated for Best Sound Editing at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. In a future where a special police unit is able to arrest murderers before they commit their crimes, an officer from that unit is himself accused of a future murder. Kind of interesting you say it's the second best Philip K. Dick adaptation because um, its vision of the future actually feels very different than its vision in Blade Runner. It is. It's a lot different, yeah. Uh, Blade Runner is an apocalyptic wasteland. Kind of. And... Although this future is not necessarily one you'd want to live in, the future of Minority Report is somewhat bright. There's an optimism and a sincerity to it. And I think that comes from Spielberg's direction more than anything else. Yeah, I was going to say. I I don't necessarily... When I actually look at it and see what's going on, I don't find it to be all that bright. Yeah. Like you said, it's like I really would not want to live in this this future at all. Yeah. But like you said, I think Spielberg's direction is a little bit different. This is sort of an era of Spielberg where he was doing everything bright with a lot of heavy whites in all of his in all of his films especially in like war of the worlds a lot of undersaturation yeah this looks so much like war of the worlds in that way. yeah yeah yeah. he does a similar thing in saving private ryan actually it's Um, it's a it's a little better in that though in my opinion he hadn't like completely grown into it the way he does with those other two yeah do you think this movie has aged well for like mainstream audiences (laughs) well a lot of mainstream audiences in my opinion don't love heady science fiction yeah and this is a kind of a heady science fiction in a way because i feel like at the time the movie was and i wasn't around i was around in 2002 i wasn't as aware but i feel like there was a time in my life where minority report was more popular than it is now and i feel like it hasn't aged in the same way some of those sci-fi classics have it's one of i I think it's definitely pushed under the rug it's maybe one of spielberg's more underrated films yeah because i think catch me and you can't can is pretty beloved yes this uh i don't think gets nearly enough credit because i think it's pretty awesome yeah i think it is too um you didn't nominate it i actually had to do it at the last second um, and I was a little bit torn. I really like the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it has a lot of interesting stuff to say on a philosophical level. Yes. Um, I'm not totally into that stuff all the time. I find a lot of the uh, ruminations of people like Philip K. Dick to be hoity-toity bullshit. And that was certainly the case in Blade Runner. You know me. Um, but like, I love the idea of arresting people for thought crimes. Yeah, I just think that's so fascinating. Again, in a post nine eleven world, the idea of stopping people before they actually commit the crime and punishing them just for thinking something bad or for and you know just because you anticipate they're going to do something bad is a really interesting sci fi idea. Well, it it in a way it also kind of reflects on free speech or th- free thought and that element yeah. and how we've sort of grown into that. How we're almost. We, in a way, can be arrested if we have certain thoughts. Right. Or we're not allowed to ha- have free speech in, in the way we used to anymore. Right. And it's 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 weird how this movie capitalized on that. This movie actually capitalized and predicted a lot of scientific innovations, especially with like touchscreen format and, and iPads and whatnot. And I think Apple, to this day, still uses one of the sound effects from this movie. Really? iPhones, yeah. I think it's like the charging sound effect. Oh, really? Is, I forget exactly what scene it was. I, I stumbled upon this in my research, but yeah. That's interesting. But I, I again, and like you said, this movie also asks a lot about the question, like, should, like, if just because we have that power, should we use it? Yep. Is, like, what happens if we do prevent a, a murder like this? Is that really necessary? Is it going to create more problems? That sort of thing. And it's the, what the greatest science fiction films do is that they, 
they cover sort of the folly of technological advancement and what that does to the human condition. Yeah. Which is why I love Blade Runner so much. And right. Again, why I love this so much. Yeah. Uh, and it also has that stuff about, you know, is the future predetermined or do you have the free will to do whatever you want with mm-hmm. it? And that is kind of run-of-the-mill sci-fi stuff done in an interesting way. I think, like, the commentary is pretty on point here. Um, and I, I don't think the movie's, like, ever corny or hit you over the head with its, with its messages all that much. No. Um, I'm just really interested in this idea of, uh, of punishing people for things that they think <laughs> or okay. punishing people for things that they haven't done yet because it's such a prescient issue. And I think we would be well served to go back and revisit Minority yeah. Report. Well, it's because every one of those things that we just talked about, it's all situated in a, in a really fine chase film at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think it's really great in that way, especially the scene where he's uh, uh, in the hotel in the bath. Oh, yeah, the ice bath, yeah. 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 Oh, with the spiders. Oh, it's great. Great stuff. It's a, such a better version of what Spielberg did in uh, War of the Worlds. Yeah. It's like the exact same scene. It's yeah. like the exact same scene, isn't it? Uh, you remember when that little the tube comes down into the basement with Tim oh, Robbins? Oh, sure. Like, it is identical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. But, no, this is definitely a better version. No doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, um, yeah it's a... Uh, it is an underrated movie for sure, and it's a great directorial effort. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a better directed movie than Catch Me If You Can because it's a harder movie to pull off on a yeah. filmmaking point of view. I agree. Um, but there's also this interesting stuff about the broken household. Yeah, I know. Uh, Tom Cruise divorced. Uh, we don't really know what happened with his son, and it's this uh, you know interesting commentary about uh, about home life and mm-hmm. about marriages and there's just a tremendous amount of heart when you have steven spielberg behind the camera that is an inevitable part of steven spielberg movies even if they're sometimes over saccharine it's always coming from a good place yes. um and that's what elevates this movie for me <laughs> um above other heady sci-fi films of the time okay uh, i really like minority report a lot yeah it finds that balance that I think you you look for anyway. Yeah, I love the 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 heady conversations, and I love how they explore that with the filmmaking. That's why I like uh, that's why I like Blade Runner, Her, and Under the Skin so much. Yeah, and why and why like even to this day, if I'm talking about other heady sci-fi films, that's why I rank like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Her, and Under the Skin as like the three best sci-fi films of the twenty first century. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. Yeah, I love Her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like Under the Skin. Um, that's not for you, though. Um, yeah, it's not, not like the not tightest you. movie. No, that's not, no, and it's not even that. It's just not your kind of film, <laughs> and you can admit that. <laughs> it's just kind of a dirty movie. I don't know. I mean, I love seeing ScarJo's boobs, but like... I don't. Not in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> not in that movie. Uh, I'll take it where I can get it. <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, you sad person. I have a hot take. How good is Colin Farrell in this movie? Awesome. <laughs> I fucking love Colin Farrell. I actually like Tom Cruise in this movie. Thank you. There you go. Thank you very much. He's He ain't bad. Okay. Well, that makes me feel good. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love him in it. I think he's, no, I mean, he's totally fine. Yeah. yeah. That, that's all he has to be. He doesn't distract. No. Um, one final question. Uh, so this theory that the ending is a dream is like a big thing. Where do you stand on that? The ending being, I, I get sick of that. I I, is, was there, I do too. Was there any, I hate that, that twist. It was all a dream. It's like, what do you mean it was all a dream? They did the same thing for 2049. You said that to me when we did the podcast. I'm like, yeah. where was the indication of that? Like, like the real indicate, like when does the movie ever like wink at you? Every movie does that. 
Well, because Tom Cruise was actually put in a dream. Okay. He, they put the, the helmet on his head and they like... So what, though? And they say that that was his best, you know... I need I need a little bit more That was that. his best life. Uh, they get, Like, the dream is supposed to give you total euphoria. That's what they do with all the criminals. I need more than that, though. So theoretically, that ending is a very happy ending for a story that... At times was a bit cynical. The now, whole movie? Yeah. You, you think the whole movie is a dream? Is that what they no, say? No, no, no. What they say is when Max von Sydow, when his wife gives him up to Max von oh, Sydow. Oh, okay, okay. And they put the thing on his head, and remember that? And he yeah, like yeah. he drifts away. Mm-hmm. They're saying where they end up foiling Max von Sydow's plan, and they shut down the corporation. All that stuff is now Tom Cruise's dream, I his see. perfect ending for the story i gotcha and so the argument is the movie wouldn't end in such a happy way now what i would suggest to you is that it's steven fucking spielberg making the movie and the guy can sometimes be a bit of a cornball and he loves a happy ending yes so of course the movie was going to have a happy ending but there are signs there to suggest uh that the logic is you know it's ne- i don't know i don't know it's never it's never quite enough i don't like like broad theories like that because it's like it just feels like conspiracy theory nonsense it's like come on guys it's one that i kind of buy mm. i'm not totally against this theory in minority yeah. report it's it's it, it sounds like sounds like it almost like the brazil ending except <laughs> yeah no say the, the yeah. happy version of of yeah yeah right it's essentially the brazil ending except we don't go out of uh but you don't the guys the guys you don't see that it was it a was dream all, all yeah, along yeah. exactly precisely right okay you don't buy it though in Minority Reports. It, it's hard to. It really is. I mean, it's a Spielberg movie, so yeah, it's, exactly. That, I mean, that's the real indicator. It's like, guys, just look at this guy's pedigree. <laughs> look at AI. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> that's a Kubrick film, though, Nico. <laughs> Spielberg maintains that that was Kubrick's ending. Uh, he's I, like, yeah, this is what Stanley wanted. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's so fucking weird that of all the people to pick up the reins. Like you could not get a more polar opposite human being. I know. Tried. That's just thing. so strange. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to do this? We'll try. I would like to cross Panic Room off the list. Is that okay? No. It's n- What? No, cross the born identity off. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's the worst film on this list. Well, all right, let's... Okay. I don't know, though. I, yeah, I just think Born Identity is about the era, has a long-standing cultural impact. People like the movie. It affected the way movies were made and uh, is good enough to earn a spot. I'm not comfortable crossing it off yet. I, I don't have, like, one... I just think, look, Panic Room, can we agree, is the most insignificant movie on the list? Yeah, probably. So is it fair that we should not <laughs> it, be inducting an insignificant movie into the Movie Hall of Fame? I guess you know in a way though like like it's it's as far as like insignificance it's kind of tied with I guess Gangs of New York. How about how about Spider Man? What do you think about Spider Man? What crossing that off first? What do you think about it? I don't know. Tell me where you're at. <laughs> I don't know if I want to induct Spider Man, but then I kind of do want to induct Spider Man. I don't know. It's not the best Spider Man movie. No, it would be annoying. Well, would we nominate? Would we induct? Um, would we induct any other Spider-Man movie? Spider-Man 2 will be in the mix. I don't know. It, that came out 2004. Yeah, I don't know what came out that year. So It will be there. Hmm. 
I I don't want to put another superhero movie in no. personally. Now that maybe is a stupid bias. Maybe we should just be picking the best movie, but we I don't, we I don't, don't know. We don't need to put in Spider Man just yet. But we could say that about anything. We can say we don't want to put another Spielberg movie in, and there are two Spielberg movies. We could say we don't want to put another Marty movie in. It's a complicated list. It's a very complicated list. Like I don't know if I I don't want to put in any of these Spielberg movies. <laughs> so in a sense, I'm fine crossing off those other two, even though uh, I like I love both of them. I might like Catch Me If You Can more than Panic Room. <laughs> Uh, eh. All right, here's what we're going to do. Shit. <laughs> what are we doing? Because yep. this is, I, I can just see where this is going now. I don't know. I No, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, heads or tails, Adam Hall? Heads. <laughs> is it coming down to this? <laughs> heads, yes. It's tails. Okay. Um... Okay, so I will go first then. Okay. We're just going to cross off movies one by one. It's that kind of year. This is what we did, and we've had uh, diminishing returns in the past. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it better not end the way 1987 fucking ends. But this is how we're going to do it. Uh, what a stupid idea. <sighs> Panic Room is gone. We're like psychotic CEOs. This is so bad. This is not a good way of doing this. This is not how democracy should work. But nonetheless, that's how we're going to do it. Alrighty. And All right. Born Identity is gone. Born Identity is gone. Okay. All right. I do not like where this is going. Hand it back. Hand it back. Uh, Hand it back. Uh, this is so stupid. <laughs> uh, do you have a better way of doing it? Uh, I don't. I'm lost. I have no idea. I came into this show with no idea what I wanted. I still don't know. Could, I have no better way of doing it. What? Go ahead. We'll just not induct anything. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Spider-Man's gone. I'm crossing it off. Ah, come on. There you go. Uh, <laughs> wow. This is just dumb. Okay. I really think Born Identity would have been the nice scapegoat, but that's all right. No. I'm, not, I'm not married. I'm not married to the idea. No, in my opinion, next to the other films, it's too disposable. That's my only issue. Okay. So, and to me, it's the most disposable one of the bunch, even though I love the movie. All right. Uh, Gangs of New York, Catch Me If You Can, Minority Report are left. God. What the hell are we doing? Can I just make an executive decision? No. No? <laughs> well, okay. Go ahead. Make an executive. Try. Try? I, I, <laughs> uh, do your best. See what you can do. Just put in Gangs of New York. You want to induct Gangs of New York? <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Cross off a name, please. All right. Catch me if you can is off the list. <laughs> so I'm stuck with Gangs of New York and Minority Report. <laughs> That should, should make it a little easier for you. All right. So the argument for Minority Report would be... Um, Some... They, it, it doesn't have any impact. And as far as legacy is concerned, I mean... Fonder it, than Gangs of New York, right? I guess. The only thing it's got is like some cultural conversation, but that didn't last very long. 
So in my opinion, yeah, but same with gangs in New York, though. Yeah, it, well, exactly. So it's like both arguments. I, I think it just comes down to quality here. I don't. I think impact and legacy. I, I just don't care about for either of these. Films. Okay, oh, I don't gosh. think they have much of either. It just seems very silly to me that Gangs in New York would be the best movie of the year. I just that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> I say it out loud. It just doesn't. Because to me, I don't think about this movie the same way you do. It seems like. Like I think about this movie as escapism and and like just a rollicking good time. It is a rollicking good time. I I don't know though. I think eh. like it's almost a guilty pleasure. It's not quite a guilty pleasure, but it's kind of in that category. No, it's really good. <laughs> it's really really good. Uh, I still think Born Identity would have been a good answer, no. uh, but you don't you don't like it in terms of quality, and I I won't dispute it. I don't think it's the best movie on the list. I don't think it's the best. I think Catch Me If You Can, you were right to cross off because it, it is kind of disposable as well, although it's a lot of fun. I think well-rounded in terms, like I said, I think it's my second favorite on the list in, in a weird way. On principle, I don't want to put Spider-Man in and yeah. Panic Room, as we said, is just insignificant. And now might have been a good time to have Punch Drunk Love on the list. Yeah. But we can't, is... can't do that now. What a confusing list. All right. So I got to choose here. Minority Report or Gangs of New York? Uh, <laughs> I've had more conversations, I guess, about Gangs of New York, if it means anything. I, I mean, I don't think I've ever talked with anybody who has seen Minority Report other than you. <laughs> I guess. I, again, though, I, I think I think it's purely by coincidence with Gangs of New York. I still don't think many people have seen this movie either. I don't know. All right. Uh, well. I don't know. <laughs> what are you doing? <sighs> Congratulations to <laughs> Martin Scorsese's Gangs of New York. You have earned a spot in the movie <laughs> Hall of Fame. Okay. That's weird. Yeah, I I mean, I don't think it was I don't think it was ever going to be a good one. We should Yeah, just- I don't think we would have been happy with any choice. I think that's right. We should just put Panic Room in there. Just get Dave, just get David Fincher in there. He's not in yet. We could have done that. You know, we could we could have done that. I mean, I feel good about the fact that Departed isn't in there, right? So now this is sort of the representative from the 21st century, I suppose. But, but I mean, there's now going to be four Scorsese movies in the Movie Hall of Fame. This is to me, it's the most insignificant inductee I think that we've ever had. Yeah, I think that's right. When you think about it, yeah, yeah. Even The Princess Bride was more significant. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, not even close. Yeah, this is the one, well, I mean, aside from, I guess, Batman. Or one of those, you know. Not even, not even Batman. Yeah. Iron Man, isn't Iron Man in the Movie Hall of Fame now? That's pretty significant. Yeah, I think you're right. Gangs of New York just doesn't... <laughs> no, but it's a really good movie. You know what? I'm t- I'm talking myself into it. I'm yeah. good with it. I'm it's, okay with it. It's fine, yeah. It's, not a, it's, it's like, okay, whatever. I'm okay with it. It's just that one. It's just 2002. It's a weird year. It's just that the weird old 2002. One of the stranger years we've ever had. Yeah. Um, Conflicted. That's okay, though. So is this just inevitably leading to social network getting in, and that's it? That's the only Fincher film we get? <laughs> yeah. That'll be in. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe one day. We'll figure out a way to squeeze something in. Yeah, yeah. We've got plenty of time. Plenty of podcasts still to make. I, do, I still admit that I fucked up with... Uh, um, um, uh, 1999, and I should have just let you had The Matrix, and I had Fight Club, but... It's okay. I got ahead of myself. I was. I was. I got indulgent. I admit it. <laughs> you? I got a little indulgent. Yeah, yeah. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh, oh, look who's talking. <laughs> Mr. Five Podcasts a Week or whatever. <laughs> so, next week, we'll be back with our regularly scheduled programming. 1962 is on the docket. Manchurian Candidate, Lawrence of Arabia, mm-hmm. The Longest Day, Lolita, and a couple others. Whatever. Dr. No. Uh... Uh, uh, to Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, okay, okay, okay. There you go. I thought you said To Kill a Mockingbird, but I was wrong. Those are your six movies to catch up for by next week's program. And then we're going to get interesting. Uh, we have a Stephen King podcast. Yeah, we're trying to do that, which I think coming is, at some point. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, we may be looking into some Disney movies. We're going to do a bunch of weird like categories, which I like. I like doing our categories every once in a while. Yeah, those are fun. So we'll we'll change it up in in a couple weeks and. Uh, look, there's still plenty of movies to come out this fall that I think we're going to have to devote an entire podcast to. So yes. those will be coming in November as well. Mm-hmm. Check out everything else on the website too. Uh, we did an El Camino podcast. Yeah, we did. That was exciting. That was a fun debate. Yeah. Rob was on that one, as was Nick. Uh, why is this a thing? We covered Blair Witch 2. Which we have not released yet. Am I correct? Well, that'll be out by the time they hear this. <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, yeah, and I also performed a play that I wrote at age uh, ten on the Nico show this week. I'm shaking my head at Nico right now. <laughs> I know you can't see that, but I'm doing it. That's all available. TMT.media or too many thoughts media.com. You know I love you so very, very much, as does Adam sometimes. Wow. And until the next time we meet. I'm Spider Man. <laughs> really? <laughs> 